And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are live from the bunker here underneath World Headquarters here at Sci-Fi For Me. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor-in-chief here at SciFiForMe.com and SciFiForMe.tv. We're glad you're here, those of you who are here live. If you're here in replay, we're glad you're here as well. If you're new, we're glad you found us. The live chat's open. Comments are open. We always have the email available live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. We're on all the socials. And there are a lot of socials. <clears throat> Even though in some accounts we're more social than others, where it's there's just quite a pile, you know? And and some of them, I haven't quite figured out the strategy exactly yet for what we're going to do with them. I want to welcome those who are listening as a podcast. We've got listeners in Russia, Germany, Australia, UK, Ireland, Japan. Good to have you along for the ride as well. And if you prefer your shows as podcasts. They're available on a number of different players. Uh, we've got their Amazon, Stitcher, iHeart, Apple, um, Double Twist, Listen Notes, Pocket Cast, Spotify, TuneIn, and I'm sure that there are some other players out there that have a link to our feed, but I'm not aware exactly of which ones uh, are there. So anyway, so there's that. Uh, a couple of programming notes. Coming up this weekend on Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be participating in a panel about podcasts as part of SFFCon. That's uh, Sierra Foxtrot Foxtrot Con. And then on Sunday, I'll be moderating a panel on indie comics. And both of those are taking place at 1 p.m. Eastern. And we'll put the links out on our, all our socials so you can connect there and watch those. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be uh, interesting to be on both sides of this, both as a moderator and as a panelist. It's not something that we've done in a long while because, you know, lockdown and, and pandemic and such. I have to admit, I've, I'm feeling a little rust <clears throat> because it's interacting with people. And as things open back up and as we get out and run errands here and I'm dealing with actual people in real life, I'm starting to realize that lockdown wasn't so bad uh, for me. I mean, I, I'm used to just being down here in the, in, in the office, in the basement, you know, all the time anyway. And the only travel that I have been doing of late has been between home and office. And, you know, that's it. And you'll go to check the mailbox. So it's still one of those things where I have to put myself in a, in a frame of mind to actually accept this notion that we're able to get out, that I want to get out. I don't know that I want to get out yet. 
and and I recognize after all of this time being in the media, I recognize what has been done to me. I recognize the manipulation using fear and paranoia that the that the media has unleashed upon us all. And even in that that realization, I'm still and it's not it's not it's not a fear thing. I'm not afraid of getting out. I'm impatient. I am uh you know, the older I get, the more curmudgeonly I get, the more impatient I am with people. And if this past year and a half has taught me anything, it's that I don't necessarily have to get out and deal with people. But at the same time, on the flip side of that, you know, I have been lamenting the fact that we haven't been able to get out to conventions and events and get in front of people and talk to people and tell people about what we're doing here. We're having to rely on word of mouth online, people sharing links and people talking about us and and doing that sort of thing. So any opportunity that I have to talk about our brand here, uh, I'm going to jump at, especially if I don't have to leave. So I'm looking forward to that. SFFCon is going on this weekend. Of course, all of our regular programs will be uh, will be going on. We've got Ranker Pit on Thursday. We've got Good Morning Multiverse Saturday morning. And I believe we have Foreign Bodies this week uh, in, the, in the noon hour. So all of that coming up. And, of course, we'll be posting links on all our socials. So find us on the socials. And, yes, we're on the alternate social channels as well. So uh, besides the usual suspects, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, we're also on uh, Gab and MeWe. There's a page on LinkedIn. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, I, I subscribe to the don't put all your eggs in one basket theory of, of marketing where – uh, some of it in various different places is better than one place that doesn't necessarily reach the right audience. So it's a scattershot approach at this point. We're getting the word out where we can, and then as we're able to evaluate which ones work the best for us, we'll adjust. It's all that abort and pivot stuff that I keep talking about. So anyway, today, no guest. I have invitations out to a few people. One of the people that I want to get on this show is Todd Helbing, who's the showrunner of Superman and Lois. This show continues to impress me. I have not watched uh, last night's episode yet, but seeing interviews with Helbing and seeing what they're doing with that show and knowing that the, the, one, the one member of the writer's staff who pushed for inclusivity and diversity is no longer on the writing staff, I have to wonder if somebody over there finally has gotten to the point where they realize you don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't mess with the thing what got you the success. Um, it's, it's one of those things, like my dad says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we have had several iterations of Superman that get close a couple of them get it perfect-ish. Uh, and Man of Steel is not one of them. I mean, for, for all that, that the Snyderverse is impressive visually, uh, and we've talked about this a number of times, they don't get the characters right. 
Superman especially. And I, I watch Superman and Lois, and I continue to be impressed with the treatment that those two characters are getting on that show. And it's, it's clear, <coughs> excuse me, it's clear at least for now that whoever's running the show, and, I'm, and, and Todd Helbing is listed as the showrunner, so I'm assuming that he's the one setting the tone in the writer's room, but the respect that's being paid to those two characters. And in, 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 the, uh, in, the, in the interviews that I've seen, Helbing has talked about the core of those characters, and he really does uh, seem to understand what makes Superman and Lois tick. So it's good to see that that show continue to succeed and get a lot of positive feedback. I have not seen anything negative being said about that show yet. Uh, Curtis in the chat says Henry Cavill couldn't act his way out of a pay toilet. I, I see. I don't. I'm not ready to uh, to go that far with Cavill because I haven't seen Cavill act. He hasn't. He hasn't given. He hasn't been given, especially in the Snyderverse. He hasn't been given an opportunity to actually act that much. Um, I have not seen him in The Witcher, uh, but uh, I hear I hear good things about about the Witcher. And of course, you know, his, his public persona as Henry Cavill, you know, builds his own PC, plays, you know, plays video games, almost missed his audition because he was playing World of Warcraft or something like that. You know, he's, he's, uh, Curtis says he's awful in the Witcher. Okay. Well, I, I, I see, I, I don't know enough to evaluate. I didn't even see him in, in, uh, in Mission Impossible. But what I have seen, and, a lot of us are going to understand this. An actor's performance comes partially from the actor, also from the director, and also from what's written. So it's a combination of all of those things. And sometimes an actor who's got a good amount of talent <clears throat> gets short shrift because of the material that he's got to work with. So I, I, I'm willing to give Cavill a little bit of the benefit of the doubt just simply because I haven't seen him do very much. I didn't, I didn't see the man from uncle either. I, I'm not interested in the reboots, you know, man from uncle, uh, mission impossible. I, they don't hold my interest after, after all of the, you know, Dukes of Hazard, Starsky and Hutch era, where we had all of those remakes, and we're getting remakes after remakes after remakes. You know, we're 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 getting now. Um, what was the one that I just saw the other day? We're getting a reboot, a remake of something, and it's it's just not necessary. Uh, the 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 Cruella thing, you know, with Cruella the prequel getting a sequel. Why? Why it, it doesn't make any sense, but I say, but it does it does get me into my topic today. But I, I saw a comment the other day uh, talking about children's programming, talking about how uh, millennials who are making the shows now are doing it from a perspective that is different from the kids who are going to be watching those shows. Uh, and, and the general gist, I'm paraphrasing, the general gist of it is don't show kids 
the shows that are made by millennials because the kids don't have the experience, the life experience, to recognize the irony, to recognize what's going on with these shows. Because these shows are now being made with a certain amount of cynicism, I guess you could say, uh, the the intersectionalism is is part of this, and you get back and you look at you know uh, Powerpuff, for example, now being made. You've got uh, Riverdale. You've got um, a new you know, well. I mean, you look at Star Trek or Doctor Who or any of those. And um, I was talking to my kid and. The impression that I get, this generation, my kids' generation, but millennials in general as well, they have a completely different mindset when it comes to uh, the things that entertain them, the shows that entertain them. And, and when I was younger, I even posited this at, at, at the time, and I still believe this, the people that are in charge of our entertainment media if they're my age and a little older, and you've got baby boomers up there, you got Gen Xers and, and such, and my theory has always been that they're holding on to their youth in whatever way they can. And that generally means let's remake the things we watched when we were growing up as kids. The problem with that is that they, they, they don't remember or they don't have an appreciation for what actually makes that thing work, what made it work at the time, and what made it a classic that you still look back on fondly and say, yeah, I remember watching that show all the time. I grew up with that show, Starsky and Hutch, The Dukes of Hazard. You go back even farther to Bewitched, you know, those kind of things. I Dream of Jeannie. And the irony is lost on them because they end up making this this kind of a parody of what they did. And millennials are doing the same thing. I mean, you look at She-Ra. Um, there are concerns about the new He-Man that's coming out from Netflix. You look at a lot of the, a lot of the shows that we have now, and the, a lot of them are remakes. I mean, Saved by the Bell, we're getting a new one. We got uh, it, Girl Meets World was probably one of the exceptions to that rule because Girl Meets World, I, I watched it with my kid, and it was pretty much in line with Boy Meets World. But I don't have any faith at all in the new Wonder Years because the people that are in charge now, are cynical and dark-humored. And by dark-humored, I don't mean they find, they find dark things funny. I mean dark-humored as in they're always in a mood. They always seem to be angry or offended or discombobulated about something or other. There's always a complaint. There's always an issue. And it, it informs how they make the new things. Cam1138, uh, yes, bitter, angry people who just want to destroy things other people love. I don't know that they necessarily want to destroy 
so much as I think they want to change. And you can see this in things like Star, the new Star Trek reboots or, uh, well, even the Star Wars sequel trilogy. There's this back and forth now, you know, the perception that there's this civil war going on in Lucasfilm. Do we want new progressive, new uh, different perspectives in the sequel trilogy versus the classic old-fashioned Lucas type of storytelling that we see kind of over on Mandalorian? So there's this there's this debate, and and I have to wonder if the people that are making these shows now, Alex Kurtzman, uh, Chris Chibnall, they're of an age, and they seem to think, and I'm I'm just riffing off of things. This is just impressions for me. This is my opinion on things. I'm just I'm just ranting here, vamping. I'm not going to cite any kind of examples or anything. I'm just, just, I'm just talking here. But it would seem to me that these, these folks that are making these shows now are of an age that they, they have a general idea or agenda in taking that thing they grew up watching, Powerpuff Girls, and making it making it do something in the modern version wherein it examines the previous versions using the filter of today's sensibilities. Or at least the sensibilities of a certain set of people in today's era, in in the modern era. And I think that's a mistake because you end up changing things just simply because you need to change them because what came before doesn't line up with what you feel should be appropriate now. And it's like the the warning graphic that we get in front of Gone with the Wind now. Gone with the Wind was not about slavery. Gone with the Wind was actually not even about the Civil War. It was a romance between... Rhett Butler and Scarlett O'Hare. It was set during the Civil War. There are slaves who are characters. But it's not about that. And yet, we still have to mollycoddle and, you know, wrap everybody up in, in, in cotton. It's okay. You're still safe. And I think we're doing a disservice to an entire generation of people who are so emotionally compromised, let's say, that they cannot or will not consider alternative perspectives to what they believe. They will not accept that times change and this TV show, this movie was made during this time and people thought this way. And now we're going to make a new one and we're going to make it completely different because everybody thinks a different way this time. And you, you end up changing Star Trek, for example. You look at Picard. Star Trek Picard, and I've seen the, the, the comments in a few places, 
Picard and Seven of Nine, especially those two characters, did not resemble their original iterations at all. And we know from the interviews that Patrick Stewart did prior to the show coming out, the first season, is that they were going to make it about Trump and Brexit. And when you decide you're going to be making a statement, lecturing us about an issue instead of telling us a good story that entertains, you're wearing your politics on your sleeve, and that's the filter by which you change something, then you're changing it for the wrong reasons. You're not changing it because, oh, this would make an interesting story. What if we did this? It's not that. You're changing it because you want to make a statement. You want to tell people about how it's supposed to be. And that can backfire on you. Uh, Rainbow Sky, welcome. I have not seen you in the chat. Good to have you here. They want to destroy or corrupt the thing that people love, and I hate how they use my community. Gay and proud. Um, yeah, well, identity politics in general, whether it's, whether it's, uh, sexual orientation or gender or, you know, if we're going, if we're going to go that route, sex and, and or gender, um, skin color, plumbing, hair color, yeah, any of those things where that becomes the thing. If you lead with the intersectional stuff when you're trying to pitch me your story, then that tells me you don't have a story. If your innovation for Doctor Who is to make the Doctor a female, we see it for what it is. It's pandering. Because they've talked about a female Doctor before. Tom Baker even brought it up when he was doing the show. So that possibility has always been there. But the creative choice has always been not to do it for whatever reasons. And now, 50 years later, when you sit there and say, okay, well, we're going to make the Doctor a female, and the marketing of it is, it's about time. I get it. You're being cheeky. You're being clever. Aha, I see what you're doing. But at the same time, when you approach it like that, you're making a statement not about the show, you're making a statement about the people who are creating the show and you're making a statement towards the people who are watching the show or potentially could be watching the show because we know we have those 12 people on Twitter who don't watch anything, who don't buy comic books, who don't read or listen to anything, but they certainly do have an opinion and that opinion certainly does seem to matter to some people even though it's been shown that a lot of people who are on Twitter are in their teenage years. Now, yes, we've got the corporations who have their, their accounts over there. And we use social media. We're, you know, we're on Twitter and all these other ones to, to get the word out and post links to all of the material that we create here. But we're not going to wade into drama and politics and anything else. As a matter of fact, I, I 
frequently find myself uh, going through Twitter. And we follow a lot of people, actors, writers, producers, authors, illustrators, you know, comic book creators, editors, all of, all of these different people that are involved. We, we follow other media people who cover this kind of thing that we cover. And I find myself every now and again scrolling through somebody's feed, and if all it is is politics, 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 then I don't have any reason to follow you here. Because if you're a comic book writer and you're not promoting your comic book writing, then this is, a, this is not a channel that I need to follow. If you're an author and you're not promoting your book with this Twitter feed or Instagram feed or whatever, then I don't need to follow it. <clears throat> because the only reason that I'm following any of these social media accounts is for the announcements and the news about the work that you're doing. I don't need, I don't need you to make a statement. I don't, I don't need to see that. Half the time, we're going to see it in the work that you're doing anyway because everything's about making a statement now. Everything's about telling us what we're supposed to think. But changing something simply because what came before doesn't align with what you think should be going on now, that's dodgy. You run the risk of alienating the established audience for that thing. And we've seen it with Doctor Who. We've seen it with Star Wars. We've seen it with Star Trek. It is likely we'll see it with Battlestar Galactica. We saw it with She-Ra. We might see it with He-Man, Masters of the Universe. And it's not just entertainment media. It's everywhere. It's the news media. It's the various different corporations that are advertising in certain different ways. Gillette comes to mind. Nike. People are making decisions about the things what they consume based not on, I like this product, I'm going to buy more. They're making decisions on this company's preaching at me and lecturing me. I'm not going to buy this product anymore. And we are living in a time where if you don't buy my, if you don't like my politics, don't buy my book is becoming the thing. It's not the exception. It's becoming the rule. Okay. I'm not going to buy your product. I'm not going to go to the football game. I'm not going to go to the basketball game. I'm not going to watch your show. I'm not going to buy your comic book. I'm not going to pick up your audio book. And, yeah, Rainbow Sky makes a good, good point. You've got people that are doing this in the name of some group as if they can't stand up for themselves. And I've, I, this is, this is one of the problems. Well, let me recharacterize that. Let me reframe that. This is one of the challenges that I have with the self-imposed rule 
that I have put in place here for us not to dive into politics and ideological arguments because what we what we do here science fiction fantasy horror there is a broad reach for those genres you don't have to be of a of a particular political mindset in order to appreciate uh, dragons and wizards and laser swords and pew pew ray guns and spaceships. Yeah, you know, that that's that, that one is not dependent on the other. You know, science fiction is not written specifically for liberals or conservatives or communists or Marxists or anarchists or whoever. And so I and I have I've had this conversation with with members of the staff. We don't. We don't lean into that. We don't, we don't do that. But it's a challenge sometimes because politics does come into play so much in the people that are making this stuff. And I will admit there are times, and they are few and far between, and I'm not going to do this, but there are times when I've had to bite my tongue and I think to myself, you know, if I only had, if I had a second channel where I just did politics, everything would be fine. But one, I don't have that kind of time. Two, I'm not inclined to do that. Uh, the bigger we get, as this channel gets bigger, knock on wood, assuming that we get bigger, I'm sure that there will come a time when we will be branded as some kind of alt-right conservative media outlet, even though we're not. Our staff is, is really a pretty good mix, broad spectrum across the board. But there are some things that... If I let myself say it, it would not, it would not put us in the neutral territory, I guess. And yes, Cam, Clown, Clownfish TV, Neon and Geeky Sparkles over there, they get accused of being alt-right all the time, even though they have both explicitly said on a number of occasions, Neon says that he is a left-leaning libertarian and Geeky Sparkles says she's a liberal. Neither one of them are conservative. Just some guy, not conservative. Jeremy Hambly of the Quartering, not conservative. Tim Poole, not conservative. And yet, everybody gets painted with this broad brush because if you're going to criticize... The Last Jedi. <laughs> then you're an alt-right Nazi. If you're going to criticize the 13th Doctor, Jody, <laughs> then you're a sexist bigot. And your criticism of the writing, your criticism of the craft is beside the point. See, this is where we get into those those, you know, the arguments devolve into, well, you just don't like it because you're a fill-in-the-blank istophobe. That's not change for the positive. That's not 
the best way to handle the thing what you're making. You can say you're a fan of Doctor Who, and you can be making Doctor Who, but if you make a show that does not resemble Doctor Who, and you call it Doctor Who, other people who are fans are going to check you on it. And they're going to say, you know what? That doesn't quite... That's not consistent with four, with 50-some-odd-plus with years of storytelling. See, and that's the other thing. If you want to change something, there still has to be a recognition and an acknowledgement of the continuity that comes before. If you're going to change it outright, then you've got to do it in a way that fits the logic of the story that's already been told the universe that we already know. Now, if you're doing a complete reboot like Battlestar Galactica did, you've got a little bit more leeway with some of that. But you still have to incorporate the bones of the original in some way, shape, or form. And some get it right a little bit better than others. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, why Star Trek Picard kind of went off the rails is because they don't understand what came before. Cam, you got it right. These people don't understand the properties they've been allowed to play with. And that's what they do. They see them... I don't... I, see, and it's hard, it's hard not to paint with a broad brush here. But some of them probably see this as an opportunity to remake something into their image. What they think should be happening as opposed to what has happened. Well, what has happened was too many white people. So now we're going to change it. And the modern era politics of the day is interfering with the creative process to a point where 20 years from now, 50 years from now, we're going to look back on this time period and we're going to, everybody's going to collectively shake their heads and say, what were they thinking? I think it might parallel to a certain extent. If you look at the TV shows of the 1950s, for example, there's a particular type of show that has survived. There's a, a certain sensibility, and people look back on those shows from the 50s as, as naive and, um, you know, there's a, certain, there's a certain amount of cynicism now when you look back on things like Leave it to Beaver or... Uh, Ozzy and Harriet, or the Honeymooners. And there's this idea now that those shows are unrealistic because they don't reflect the society that we're in now. And see, this is the problem. When you go back to try to evaluate something that's come before using the, the sensibilities of the time that you're in, they don't, they're not going to measure up. But I think also when you go another... 40 or 50 years down the road and people start looking at all of the stuff that's made now in the 20 teens and 2020s, people are going to look at this going, oh, this is, 
Why did they do that? Why did they make that? Why did they change that? I don't know. It's just a it's it's a random thing, and uh, I I had a I had a bug in my head to to, to address it, and I, I thought I would just kind of rant for a little bit. I do have something that I want to ask. <clears throat> While I've got some of you here in the live in the live show, uh, I'm looking for feedback because this particular program, the general idea is that I would like to have guests more often than I do because it's much more interesting to have a conversation with somebody than it is to just to listen to me rant for an hour. So if those of you who are in the chat, if you would, give me some suggestions for people that you think would be good to have on this show. I, I'm, I'm getting ready to reach out to Todd Helbing. I want to try to get him on the show. We have invited Gina Carano. We've invited Dean Kane. We've invited, uh, I've, I've, I've reached out to star Wars theory to see about getting him on the ranker pit. Um, but I want, I want to get some ideas for people that we can invite and not just, not just actors and producers, but also authors and comic book creators. I'd like to have Scott Snyder on here to talk a little bit about his transition from DC Comics to now independent uh, creator and, uh, and have those conversations as well. I've even thought about some, some names that might surprise you uh, to be guests here. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm open to suggestions. I would like to know who would you like to see as a guest on this program? Because, you know, it's got to be more interesting. Conversations have got to be more interesting to you as well, I would think. I mean, as brilliant and as charming as I am, I can't be the only reason you guys keep coming back. There's got to be more to it. And I would like to provide more than just me on this show. So if you have suggestions... Uh, drop those in the chat, or you can leave a comment, or you can send an email live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. Um, <coughs> yesterday, we talked about Indiana Jones 5, all the photos that are up. It is Joe Haldeman's birthday. And what we'll do, uh, we have uh, an interview that I did with him here a while back on this show. So, what we'll do is, is if I can remember to do it, I'll put a link up here in the corner in the in the playback uh so you can click on that and you can see uh that interview it's uh it's his birthday today so happy birthday joe haldeman happy birthday johnny depp happy birthday to whoever is having a birthday today and i guess that's gonna do it for today we'll do a we'll do a a, a short one uh this afternoon and be back tomorrow to do it all again. Clive Barker and Steve Donahue. I'm going to write those down. Thank you very much, Rainbow Sky. Clive Barker. Steve Donahue. Steve Donahue is not a name that I'm familiar with. Am I is that a is that a horror horror someone? Because I'm not a big horror fan, so I'm going to I'm going to defer to Mr. Harvey on those. But yes, uh, Clive Barker, very much so. All right, we'll add those and see what we can see. 
All right. Uh, thank you very much, everybody in the chat. Cam, Curtis, Rainbow Sky, good to see all of you here. And uh, those of you who are in uh, playback, uh, your comments are welcome as well. So send us the feedback. In the meantime, you can check out any of the rest of the videos that we've got here. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you have, double check and make sure that you're still subscribed. We got a note yesterday uh, or the day before of uh, somebody who thought they were subscribed, they had subscribed and found that somehow they got unsubscribed. So that's still happening, and YouTube tells us they're looking into it, but I'm not sanguine about how that's going to play out. So uh, we're on uh, Odyssey as an alternative video platform, so you can find us over there as well. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, folks. The Ranker Pit tomorrow night 9 p.m eastern 8 central we're going to be talking about the latest star wars news and rumors and tomorrow we'll be back here in the studio for more live from the bunker remember there are four lights this has been a presentation of sci-fi for me radio copyright 2021 by flaming dog media llc all rights reserved no portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of flaming dog media 